Well, today is Passion Sunday, the fifth Sunday of Lent. There are just seven days to go before the beginning of Holy Week and our journey's end. We've walked the Jerusalem road with Jesus. And we've had some wonderful experiences. Do you remember that time when David Sprouse from Crookfield Baptist Church came and preached about the transfiguration? Think of Jesus appearing in splendor. The disciples saw who he really was. But there have been some very difficult things to cope with. You remember how Peter identified him? Who do you say that I am, says Jesus? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. He got the bullseye. He'd, he'd hit the target. But then just a few verses later in the narrative, it says, when Jesus was explaining how he was going to Jerusalem to be crucified, Mocked, spat at, and flogged. Peter had almost taken him by the scruff of the neck and said, Lord, that's never going to happen to you. And Jesus had turned to him and said, Get behind me, Satan! You're a stumbling block to me. You're always thinking like human beings think instead of thinking God's thoughts been a hard road, because Jesus has constantly said to the disciples, we're going to Jerusalem, and I'm going to be crucified. Now, how do we follow someone like that? How do we follow this scary man who talks in language that terrifies you? How do we cope with that? Okay, he's hinted at resurrection. We're not really quite sure, standing alongside the disciples, what exactly that means. It, it, it sounds great, but before resurrection, you've got to be crucified first. Well, none of that sounds very attractive. But there's more. There's an added element Passion Sunday that makes it for me the most difficult Sunday of the year. David Jones is preaching next Sunday morning and I don't want to steal your thunder, David. But I do want to deal with an incident that happened after Jesus came down the Mount of Olives. And we've just heard about it in Sandra's reading. As Jesus approached Jerusalem, this is verses 41 and 42 of Luke 19, as Jesus approached Jerusalem and saw the city, Jesus wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. And there's a parallel verse in Matthew 13, 37. Jesus said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often have I longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you were not willing. You would not. And the word I want to bring to you this morning, the, the central word, in a sense, that God's given me, is the word rejection. And it's a terrible word, isn't it? 
that added element that Passion Sunday has, rejection. He came to that which was his own, and they did not receive him. And if you've ever felt rejected, you'll know what a painful experience it, it is. Okay, I suppose we mustn't take it too seriously. Um, it's not very nice if your offer to uh, host the coffee morning is rejected. Well, we cope with that kind of thing. Supposing your husband comes home and says that he's going to leave you. Rejection like that can do terrible things to people. We've all seen, haven't we, in our newspapers and on the television, the terrible revenge that Vicky Price wreaked on Chris Hume. And why did she do it? Because he rejected her. Because he turned around and said, in spite of the fact that you've been with me all these years, I don't want you anymore. So the first thing I want you to note about this incident is the reality of rejection Jesus felt. Jesus could feel hurt, deeply, deeply emotionally hurt. And that's what was going on. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often have I longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you wouldn't. There's a church now built on that very point, that very site, where Jesus stood and looked over the city. It's shaped like a teardrop. And if you go to Jerusalem, you'll be able to see what Jesus saw. There's the city before you. And it's a beautiful city. For him, it lay at the end of a hard and bitter road, constantly reminding himself and those around him that crucifixion and pain lay ahead of him. But now he was rejected as well. If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. And of course, peace doesn't only mean the the uh, absence of conflict. Peace, shalom, is the greeting that Jewish people offer to one another. And it, just, it, it, it doesn't just mean peace. I hope you're having a good time. I hope you're having a... I hope your um, life at home isn't, isn't, isn't too tense and difficult. It's much, much more than the absence of conflict. It's wholeness. It's healing. It's all that God longs to give you. And that's what they rejected. And there's a consequence. They were rejecting everything that God had in store for them. Can you turn me down, David, please? <coughs> <laughs> first at school, we stood and said school motto every day of the school term. It's a quotation from the book of Ecclesiastes. 
whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with all thy might. <laughs> and I've remembered it. Well, there was a consequence to rejecting Jesus' offer of peace. In rejecting him, they were rejecting everything that God had in store for them. And choosing instead the final catastrophe which befell them 40 years later, he knew it would come. That's why he said, the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and your children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. And you know, the Jews did revolt about 40 years later in 70 AD. And the Romans crushed the Jewish rebellion in a way that stands tall in history as one of the most brutal and appalling destructions in the whole of history. They obliterated the nation. Not only did they demolish the temple, they ground it into dust. They changed the name of Jerusalem. Jerusalem didn't exist anymore. Aeolian Capitoline, it was called. A Roman city. The whole of the Jewish nation was obliterated, annihilated. Not one stone will they leave on another because you did not recognize God's, the time of God's coming to you. Now, the New English Bible translates that last phrase like this. It says, you did not recognize God's moment when it came. You did not recognize God's moment when it came. And that seems to me to put in a nutshell everything that Jesus meant. And here I want to turn our attention away from what happened 2,000 years ago and think about what's happening here and now in our lives. You see, up to now, we've seen events through the eyes of the disciples. We've been walking with them to Jerusalem. We've listened to Jesus as he tried to explain what was going on. We've coped or tried to cope with their mystification, with their total um, inability to understand. Sometimes the word says they just didn't know what he was talking about. Now, instead of standing in Jesus and the disciples' shoes, I want to turn it around and stand in the shoes of the people who rejected him. Because, you see, you and I are not spectators in this drama. We are participants. To put it simply, we have to recognize God's moment when it comes. We have to recognize God's moment when it comes. And just in case you think you might have missed it, don't worry. It's not like a headmaster I used to know who was in the habit of rapping on his pupils' desks with the words, Opportunity knocks but once. The box dropped off. <laughs> I know. The thing that I don't need. Yes, it's all right. I don't need it. It's only oversized people who need that. I don't. I'm a proper size. God's people had been presented again and again and again with God's moment. Through the prophets through his coming to them, through his word. And they rejected it. 
And so God's moment comes to you and me again and again and again. It comes in the choices we all make, in the decisions we have to face. And most especially, God's moment comes in the way that we respond to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And one thing is essential. We have to listen. We have to listen to what the Spirit is saying. It's easy, you see, so often to listen and let what's said go in one ear and out of the other and not grasp the significance of what's being said. There's a wonderful story of Franklin D. Roosevelt, uh, one time president of the United States of America, and he had to stand um, at official functions greeting long lines of guests at the White House. And he used to complain, nobody listens to a word I say. So one day, he decided he was going to have an experiment. And so when each person shook his hand, he murmured, I murdered my grandmother this morning. <laughs> and the response was usually, but oh, well done, Mr. President. Good for you, Mr. President. You are doing a wonderful job, Mr. President. Well done, sir. God bless you. Until the Bolivian ambassador came at the end of the line, who actually heard what Roosevelt said, and who leant over and said, I am sure she had it coming. <laughs> God's moment is constantly coming to us, just as it had come to his people through the centuries before Jesus. But you see the awful truth, and I use that word in its literal sense, the truth that should inspire us with awe is that if we refuse to, to listen and go on refusing to listen, one day it will stop coming and there will be a price to pay. There was a price for the people of Jesus' day and I've already described it. In fulfillment of his prophecy, their enemies did indeed encircle them and hem them in on every side. Jewish nationhood was wiped out. Have you ever wondered why there are Jewish people all over the world? Because in AD 70, the Jewish nation was squashed like an orange and was dispersed throughout the world. So the question we have to answer is, what is the Holy Spirit saying to me here and now? What challenge am I missing? Is there some area of my life that is closed ahead? If we really want to know, if our ears are really open, he will make himself clear. And Passion Sunday gives him a wonderful opportunity. It's that word rejection that I want you to think about. Jesus faced rejection. If we offer the gospel to an unbelieving world, so will we. There's no reason to stop offering it, though. But he does remind us that, as Paul says, the God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbeliever so that they cannot see the light of the, of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Jesus warned his disciples that just as the world hated him, so it would hate them. We're no different. We heard about that, those of us who were at the roadshow last night for, for release. Um, Andrew Wilson's wonderful exposition of John 15, all about how the world hates us and why. But you see, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so we can't turn our backs on the world and let it go hang. 
Just as Jesus went on serving, seeking, loving, so must we. Because that's all part of walking the Jerusalem road, all the way to the cross. Now, how anyone can reject a love like that of Christ, I do not understand. But it does happen. And it happens sometimes in the hearts and lives of Christian people. It really does. And there's a warning here in God's word. Are we recognizing God's moment? Are we responding to him? Are we listening to him? Oh, there may be whole areas of our life that we seem to be deaf to his, to his promptings. As a boy, I looked up and reverenced our minister. To me, he was everything a minister should be. But to others in the church, he was a failure to be got rid of as quickly as possible. And years later, I learned what I and most of the congregation knew nothing of. There had been an attempt by influential, crucial people in the church, not only to undermine, but to replace him with somebody else, to evict him and his family, quite literally, from the mass. Mercifully, it had come to nothing. Now, how Christian people can be so cruel and unfair, I don't know. Some of them were my own Sunday school teachers. <laughs> and when I heard about this, I found it just mind-blowing. But I do know the principal among them was a man whose faith always seemed to have a hard edge. In spite of being a Christian since boyhood, he came to the end of his life bitter, disappointed man. And for a Christian, that's a tragedy, isn't it? Jesus looked at and wept over Jerusalem. Is he looking at and weeping over you and me? Is he? Is he saying, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes, well, if he is, let's pray for our eyes to be opened so that we can recognize God's moment before it's too late. Amen.